the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to our show, my friends, on this Saturday, February the 24th, 2024, the last Saturday in February. We're going to start March. I mean, this year is already is already going so fast, my friends. Incredible. Uh, all right. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us, my friends. Let me begin by thanking our sponsor, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, uh, the nation's number one advocate for immigration control, for immigration, for uh, legal immigration, uh, for border uh, security. Uh, they are the ones, if you want to know anything about border security, about legal immigration, my friends, and the problems that we are facing right now with the open border, the illegal immigration invasion, you can go to fairus.org. Again, fairus.org. There you can find all sorts of information. So let me tell you who our guests are, and uh, we'll jump into our show right away. Uh, our first guest is Mr. Randy Clark. He is a regular guest with us. He is a Breitbart reporter on the border here in South Texas, and he's going to be giving us an update of what is going on, my friends. The trickle, the... Um, invasion of uh, uh, the crossings, the number of crossings of illegal immigrants into the United States, my friends, has gone down to a trickle. Now, there's two reasons for that. Randy's going to talk to you about them. Uh, First of all, the, um, the fence is working. Can you believe it? Fences work. Yes, the fence that uh, the, that uh, the state of Texas, the governor Abbott has put up on the, on the, uh, border here in Eagle Pass and in Del Rio in particular, uh, it's working and uh, it's causing uh, illegal aliens to think twice about coming through Texas. Also, there is the uh, new legislation, the new law that was passed that uh, any illegal aliens trespassing uh, will be arrested and will be uh, sent to a port of entry uh, to uh, either go back across the river or to enter properly. Uh, this is not uh, them. This is not the state of Texas usurping the Border Patrol. This is the state of Texas redirecting illegal immigration and uh, so that it can be counted, so that it can be controlled somewhat. Um, so those two factors. But also there's a third factor. And Randy's going to be talking to you about it, which is very, very disturbing. And that is the um, uh, the control of uh uh, that that uh, that uh, Mexico ex- is exerting on illegal aliens. So you're going to want to hear about that. You're also going to want to hear from a new guest, Arturo Fontes, who is a retired FBI agent. He's going to be chatting with us about what is going on uh, on the other side of the border with crime. Then we've got my good friend, Mr. Silvio Canto, who is a uh, national blogger. He's going to be give us giving us some very very good insight into the politics of uh, Mexico. There have been some huge demonstrations in Mexico against the uh, current president of Mexico, and you're going to want to hear the politics that are going on over there. Uh, our final guest is Miss Irene 
uh, Armendaris Jackson, who is another good friend. She's a regular guest. She is in El Paso. Uh, she is also with the Border Security Coalition. She's going to be chatting with us, my friends, about what is going on in El Paso with the um, uh, illegal immigra- immigration problem there. They have had some real problems with uh, the open border and homelessness there. So, uh, welcome to the show, my friends. Sit back and enjoy it. Call your buddies. Call your friends. Let them know that the program is on. You're going to want to hear what we've got to say, what our guests have got to say. So without further ado, let's go to Randy Clark, our first guest. Welcome to the show. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, reporter with Breitbart at the border here in South Texas. And uh, I wanted to get him on to uh, give us an update, as he usually does, because, Randy, I understand that not only do we have drugs coming north of the border now, as well as tons of illegal aliens, but now we've got environmental issues like raw sewage. Tell us about all this stuff that's happening. Give us an update, please. Well, so we're still experiencing a a slowdown, uh, at least Texas is experiencing a slowdown, a significant, almost every border sector in Texas is doing less than what they were doing in December. We're at about half speed right now. Uh, in Eagle Pass, for instance, in December, we were seeing 5,000, up to 5,000 crossings a day on average in December. We're now seeing that at less than six, 700 around Eagle Pass. So with apprehensions right now, as late as two days ago, we're about 5,000 nationwide per day for the Border Patrol. That pales in comparison to the ten to 14,000 we were seeing in Del Rio. So there, there's a definite uh, fix going on between Mexico and the United States. Mexico has employed tens of thousands of Guardia Nacional soldiers and regular army and even some out of their Marines to uh, make sure that that bestia train is almost void of any migrants getting to the United States. There's a lot being held back in Mexico and Tapachula, Oaxaca and Mexico City. And many have been deported to their home countries in Central America. Uh, and on the Biden side of things, uh, we're seeing some removal processes happening here in Eagle Pass that did not happen in the previous three years. Uh, they're actually detaining migrants in the soft-sided processing facilities. Uh, they're scheduling some credible fear interviews and adjudicating those asylum cases almost in Trump-like fashion and flying those migrants from the Rio Grande Valley to their home countries, Colombia, Venezuela, and Central America. So we're really seeing an election play that we haven't seen in three years because this is a historic election season for both Mexico and the United States. For one of the few times in the decades, it usually runs almost a quarter century between when our elections and Mexico's presidential elections line up. And this is one of those years. And I think it's going to be... uh something that's going to have drastic impacts on the United States if we see the Biden administration continue and the Morena party from Mexico's President AMLO continue on with Claudia Scheinbaum winning and she's ahead in the polls. So we know he's one of those very favorable to the cartel presidents. He believes in hugs and not bullets, you know, like he says, abrazos y no balazos. So uh, she's going to have that same Mentality. She's from his ruling party, the Morena Party. Uh, and I think a lot of this border slowdown is to make citizens on both sides of the border think this problem is solved and not look at that as a factor when they cast their votes in June in Mexico and in November here. That, that's, you know, that is absolutely outrageous. Now, speaking of this, uh, of this um, lady who probably will become the next president of Mexico, this lady in the Morena pro- uh, Party, my understanding is that her background, she is an attorney, but an environmentalist. She is very much an environmentalist, which is very, very interesting because there is an environmental disaster going on in Tijuana that's affecting the United States. Is there not? Yes. So she's, she's an engineer, and a lot of her work focuses around sustainable energy, green ideas. Uh, she's also somewhat woke. She, she is Jewish in faith. She'll be the first female Mexican president if she wins. I mean, she's not there yet, but she's polling significantly ahead of, of the other party's candidates. Uh, 
So there's also a factor of, of U.S. residents that can vote. There's millions in the United States who hold dual citizenship that if they register, they can cast votes. And that Morena party is really reaching out to get those people engaged because they advocate for them on the Mexican side. So that's another interesting dynamic also. But yes, you know, there's a lot going on with the environmental issues between Mexico and the United States. And there has been for years. And it goes beyond the raw sewage. We know what Imperial Beach in in San Diego, because that was where I spent 10 years, my first 10 years in the Border Patrol, was in El Centro sector. The most polluted areas on the California border are that Imperial Beach area near the Tijuana River and also the New River in, in Mexicali, between Mexicali and Calexico. And so some of that has been... Uh, mitigated in in uh, and it's in the process of being mitigated in Mexicali, which is a city of several million. They've got a new sewage treatment plant that's getting some of that sewage out, and they're going to contain that river through the populated areas by boxing it in, so to speak. However, what that doesn't address is the chemical pollution and the carcinogens that are going in from the the maquila industry, and those those products are for us and for other parts of the world. That's what's speaking to this because nothing is being done even in Imperial Beach to address that. Imperial Beach is getting the sewage but they're also getting the carcinogens. Wow. And that, that that's what keeps I think both governments from really taking a heavy hand in this is that now you're involving businesses. Now you're asking them to spend additional monies to stop polluting waters that in both case flow into the United States. That new river travels 60 miles to the Salton Sea, and those carcinogens are still traveling and getting deposited in one of the, the most, you know, abundant agricultural regions in the United States in that Imperial Valley. So there's a lot going on, but anytime you start bringing in business, private sector, and the government, things tend to slow down because of the influence and the lobbying effect that those businesses can have. You know, both parties love cheap labor. They're not going to do a whole lot, uh, I think, to get those carcinogens reduced anytime soon, including this next president of Mexico, potentially, Claudia Scheinbaum. Now, another issue with that, which is very, very interesting to me, is that uh, being that Scheinbaum is of the Jewish faith, um, Mexico has historically sided with the Palestinians in the UN. Historically, I mean, I remember them taking uh, a very, very angry position uh, after the Seven Day War. Uh, I, I, they, I'm just very, very curious how all of this is going to work out. Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. But, you know, Scheinbaum has kind of moved away from some of her ideals when it comes to uh, what AMLO has done. You know, he's done a lot to empower the domestic production of oil uh, uh, under the private sector, and they're looking kind of to nationalize it in some sense. Uh, And so she's remained quiet in that because some of the the Mexico oil producers are not the cleanest. So she's kind of put aside her environmentalist Uh hat to keep in line with the party. So will she do that when it comes to support for the Palestinians or at least public support? That's going to be it's going to be something to be seen. But I think the very scary thing is to lose focus on the fact that this migration issue has disappeared from the radar on both sides of the border. Very little media coverage, which we know only on the conservative side, generally speaking, is it addressed here. But now we're not speaking about it at all, hardly. I think you still see a few conservative outlets in California covering what they've got going on because the imagery is out there now and not Texas. But what the dangerous thing is, is the cartels being strengthened by a Scheinbaum presidency who's not going to attack them. And the Mexican states right now, with the exception of just a handful, are more violent than they have ever been. And so I think if we don't address on our side getting some a president that's more firm on border security, you can expect this fentanyl problem to only worsen. And if Scheinbaum and Biden both get elected, you can just about guarantee we will have unmitigated migration across the southern border for another four years to come. Mm, mm, mm. Not not to mention probably all sorts of environmental issues that we will have to pay for as well. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. My friend, anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go? Just love to be the bearer of good news for you, George. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You take care, my friends. We've been speaking with our good buddy, Mr. Randy Clark, 
a reporter with Breitbart at the Texas-Mexican border here. And uh, Randy, we'll get you back on again as uh, as these stories continue to unfold and uh, we begin we continue to uh, follow them. So thank you very much awesome, for taking time, time to be with us, buddy. Have a wonderful day. You too. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, and we've got a new uh, guest with us, someone who is with us for the first time, Mr. Arturo Fontes. Uh, he uh, has uh, a background in law enforcement, and uh, I'm going to ask him to uh, tell us a little bit about himself, as well as what is uh, his perception of what's going on in the border when, in regards to criminal activities. Uh, Art, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. Great, George. Thanks for having me here. It's my pleasure. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to talk to you on your show. Tell us a little, uh, yeah, about, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, and uh, uh, then uh, your perception of what's going on at the border right now. Sure. Uh, I retired uh, with the FBI after uh, 28 years uh, of experience. And since then, I in the last 10 years, I've... Uh, I've worked in the private industry, do consulting work, and I and I travel frequently uh, to Mexico at least once once a month. Uh, but before that, I uh, I had the uh, the unique experience of not only uh, working in Mexico, but I was I also worked uh, ten years approximately in in San Diego across the border uh, uh, to from Tijuana, to, to and I also uh, worked in uh, in Laredo, uh, Nuevo Laredo, uh, for approximately five years, and I also did. Uh, two tours uh, to Mexico. So uh, most of my career is, has been uh, on Mexico. Um, I thought that since um, I retired, oh, excuse me, uh, when I was working in San Diego, I thought that was probably the most violent drug organization, the Ariano Felix. And then when I got to uh, to Nuevo Laredo, I got to learn what it really means, uh, you know, when it's when there's a spillover of violence. And then what I experienced at that time. Uh, were commando hit squads living in in Laredo committing uh, murders uh, on the on the U.S. side, and uh, and doing search warrants, and also working with the police, where we actually found uh, hand grenades inside vehicles that were going to be used either in the uh, on the U.S. side or or Mexico. Uh, we also had some shootouts in Laredo, Texas, on, on this side of the border. Uh, we had also kidnappings that actually occurred on the U.S. side in Laredo and then being brought back to Mexico. Uh, so that was literally the worst I've seen in Mexico. This was during a time of 2004 to 2011 uh, when uh, the Cetas uh, emerged uh, and became a, a, a very uh, significant threat uh, to law enforcement and, and around our country. And, uh, and from being just in one state, normally in, in Tamaulipas, they spread all over Mexico. And they were the ones that, that transitioned uh, the old guard of the Sinaloa cartel or the Federation uh, into what it is now. And what it is now is you have uh, organized crime, but it's really disorganized because there's no control, uh, where the, uh, the cartels now uh, are involved in almost every criminal uh, trade, you know, from drug trafficking, extortion, kidnappings, Theft of, of gasoline, um, uh, immigration, uh, bringing people in, uh, anything that you could imagine where they could make money, uh, they're making money. Now, let me ask you because some of, the, I mean, the concern obviously on our side of the border is going to be their influence, uh, not only on on other criminal gangs. Um, like uh, the Mexican Mafia and La, La Familia and all the ones that we've got on our side, but also their influence on um, on politicians, because in Mexico they definitely influence politicians, do they not? Uh, yes, uh, just to add to that, at least to give people a mental picture of what's really going on in Mexico, is uh, the Mexican cartels have always had you know, their, their, their uh, influence in politics. But now uh, they've integrated themselves so much so, and it's so uh, important for them to be able to compromise uh, the, the politicians. Uh, similar to what the FARC did uh, in the past, uh, where now they have a political platform. Not only are they an armed, you know, asymmetrical threat, you know, to, to law enforcement, they also now 
uh, have become integrated and, and they have so much influence now uh, in the political um, government of Mexico. Uh, and if you go to some of the border cities, you also see, you know, more corruption. And, uh, you know, for example, in, in Laredo, Nuevo Laredo, you have, you know, families that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, are American citizens. They may live on the Mexican side, but then they also have people on the on the U.S. side. So, you know, corruption is more rampant, you know, or it's more prevalent in, in, on border cities than it is on you know inside the United States, and and that's why you know it, it is it is important to you know to be able to monitor that. Do you think uh, at this point? Do you what uh, we, we've heard a lot of discussion about making them making uh, designating the cartels uh, as um, uh, terrorist organizations, putting them on a terrorist list. Um, do you think that would work? Uh, I think that that would be the last resort. I don't think that 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 should be a viable option right now. I think that the U.S. has still a lot of leverage, and uh, and you could liken it to what happened, you know, in in the uh, in the eighties when Kiki Camarena was was uh, was killed in in Mexico as a DEA agent that was kidnapped and killed. Uh, the U.S. actually shut the border for you know a couple of days. Uh, they uh, uh, the U.S. indicted. You know several high-level uh, Mexican politicians, uh, and now uh, you know we have that option, including the uh, the remittances, which, which I think it was sixteen billion dollars last year. Uh, just imagine if the U.S. tax those remittances going in uh, to Mexico. Uh, the Mexican, our government also, you know, uh, you know, could investigate a lot of these corrupt politicians that have their monies on this side, which we've done it before, and I and I think it, it, it could have an impact. Uh, you know, on Mexico, uh, I believe also that you know the the, the visas, you know, the consulates, uh, you know, labeling them as terrorists. Uh, I know Trump uh, tried to do it, and I, I know Texas passed legislation, uh, but it still does not have the power of the federal government. Uh, that does scare them. Uh, unfortunately, I don't believe it's going to happen uh, because of our near shoring and now. Uh, you know, with, with the, uh, you know, the two wars going on right now and, and we're relying a lot on, on nearshoring and, and logistics with Mexico, where Mexico now is the number, uh, the U.S. is buying more from Mexico than it is from China the first time in, in 20 years. Uh, and, and we're, I don't think the U.S. is, is, is willing to, uh, to, uh, label the, t- label the, uh, the cartels as terrorists because if, they, if we did that, uh, I don't think our government or our people are, are willing to pay, you know, so much more uh, and, and inflation on, on our goods if that yeah. happened. Uh, let me ask you this, this last question because, um, uh, it, it is very, very, uh, important that people understand, um, the condition of the government of Mexico, AMLO backed off whenever they were getting ready to arrest um, the son of um, of uh, El Chapo Guzman in Sinaloa. They were getting ready to, or Culhuacan rather, they were getting ready to arrest him, and uh, the cartels all came out and outgunned the military practically, and he backed off. Um, does the president of Mexico? Have uh, real any real power at this point um, over the cartels? You know that, that's a very good question, and, and that's that's um, you know that question uh, is 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 really um, significant because two states in Mexico, Michoacan and and, uh, and Guerrero, are almost ungovernable, and and the uh, cartels are are making just on. On, um, on immigration, they're making billions of dollars each year, uh, not including the fentanyl and the other goods. So they're, they're much more powerful. And, and I think that if, that if some of these kingpins are, are arrested, they have contingency plans themselves that were, uh, imagine our, our, the DEA office in, in, uh, in, in Mazatlan. Uh, they have a, a group, you know, agents there in Sinaloa. Uh, a lot of our agents would be, you know, in harm's way, along with, you know, American citizens that are, that are that are you know that are living also there. So, so that is that is you know a, you know significant, uh, you know that that uh, that question. Mm. Wow, it really, I mean, it, it was really something that we we really really need to 
to consider so many facets to this whole situation. Give us a conclusion before we let you go. What, um, where do you think we're going right now? Uh, okay, uh, that's a good question, George. I, I am very concerned. You know, in my 20... 20- uh, eight years working, you know, in law enforcement, uh, you know, working and traveling into Mexico. I, I've never seen both Mexico and the U.S. so vulnerable right now. Uh, you have 3.2 million people that have entered the United States illegally, uh, and now uh, you have 800,000, excuse me, 0.8 million people came in uh, to the U.S. our gotaways, and some of those people that came in uh, that we have, we don't know who these people are. You know, uh, are people that are unfriendly. These people have criminal backgrounds. They were probably smuggling drugs in, into the U.S. You know, you got other gangs like Tren de Aragua and other groups that are coming in. You know, we got three wars: the economic war with China, uh, the uh, war in the Middle East, and the war in Ukraine. So there's a lot of people that don't that don't like us right now. And I'll, my concern is that we have people here already, and there's a lot of red flags going on, and it worries me. Yeah, yeah, it worries a lot of us that are watching this. Uh, Arturo, thank you very, very much for joining us today, folks. We've been talking with uh, a, a good new friend, Mr. Arturo Fuentes, who uh, used to be, who is a retired FBI agent. Uh, Arturo, we got to get you back on the show again sometime soon so we can talk some more. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez and Conservador talking to you from San Antonio. The Federation for American Immigration Reform, known as FAIR, fights to restore common-sense border controls and immigration policies that work for America and its future. America's immigration system and border controls have been decimated by Washington politicians and special interests, undermining the interests and security of the American people. FAIR mobilizes grassroots activists to make sure the voices of the American people are heard in Washington. Find out more about FAIR and what we do by going to FAIRUS.org. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Silvio Campo, who uh, is in Dallas. And uh, Silvio is a uh, blogger, writer uh, for American Thinker. And um, I wanted to get him on because uh, he follows what is going on uh, on the international, with the international press, particularly what's happening like in Mexico. And folks, most of us aren't knowledgeable or aware of the politics that is going around, going on just across the border, even though it impacts on us. Uh, Silvio, welcome to the show as usual. Thank you for taking time to be with us, my friend. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the invitation, George. Let me ask you, We um, there was a huge, I mean a very, very large demonstration uh, last week in Mexico City against the uh, current president and his policies. I believe that um, uh, it's not only an issue of the economy, but an issue of the violence that's going on, the inseguridad, as we say, uh, the insecurity that people are feeling. Um, give us, give us your your take on what is going on with the with the politics and and this demonstration down there. Yeah, well, this is uh, the latest demonstration. There have been others recently. And what is going on is that there is a, I, I sort of see it as a, a great dissatisfaction with in the, in the Mexican middle class, uh, in the entrepreneurial class with, uh, the Lopez Obrador administration. And it, it comes, it comes from different sources. I think there's a feeling that Lopez Obrador is a very authoritarian figure who wants to, he threatens to change the constitution, uh, who wants to, maybe make Mexico a little bit more socialist than the middle class would like. So I think there's just a, a sense that uh, of a lack of trust, a lack of confidence that this man is going to, I mean, not that he's going to stay in power, but that he is going to to defend the Constitution. So I think a lot of it comes from that. There's also a great concern about, as you say, the insecurity. And if you talk to any Mexican, they'll tell you that that's the number one problem is insecurity. Uh, there's a sense that uh, they don't, you know, the streets are not being controlled by the authorities, that there's a lot of criminal elements, there's a lot of young people involved in crime, a lot of it is economics, uh, a good way to make a quick buck. 
is to get into crime. So there's just a lot of dissatisfaction. And they have elections coming up in July. And, you know, the polls are saying that the the, the official candidate, meaning the, the candidate of the incumbent party, is going to win. But most Mexicans tell me that's not true. I guess we'll have to figure this out when people vote. But there's just a lot of dissatisfaction uh, with Lopez Obrador. There's a feeling that he, he is the real threat to democracy, George. Yeah, well, I can imagine, uh, you know, this issue of the uh, of feeling insecure because of the crime, um, the number of murders that go yeah. on, uh, like in, in Juarez, just south of El Paso, or Nuevo Laredo, just south of Laredo, uh, is staggering, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more, I mean, the more you um, you get out, I mean, in the big cities you hear about it, but it's when you get out of the big cities where people feel more insecure because that's when the the police and uh, the government has less control, honestly. Uh, I mean, there's a think tank in Mexico that reported recently that like half of the country is run by cartels. Now, that's a kind of a misleading figure in a way also, just to be fair, because Half of the country doesn't have any people in it. You know, you know what I mean? Right. So they, they control a lot of areas where, you know, that are not populated necessarily. But these are generally small towns. But I, I just think people are concerned about the violence. I mean, the violence on journalists. Yes. Uh, there have been many journalists who've been killed. And, and they get, I mean, the common denominator between all these, uh, all these journalists is that they've written something uh, against the cartels. Or they've uh, put out some information the cartels didn't like or the criminal elements didn't like. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they murder the guy. Yeah. It's happening too often, George. That, that, that is very, very, very disturbing. Um, give, me, give me your take also. This past week, uh, Newsweek got a, an abrupt, an abrupt wake-up call because Newsweek did a survey in Texas of Hispanics. And uh, they've got a response that I'm sure they were not uh, um, anticipating that 60% of the Hispanics in Texas, and they didn't just do just Republicans, just conservatives. I mean, all Hispanics, 60% of them said that they wanted a wall along the border. (laughs) What's your your thoughts about that? (laughs) Well, uh, it's not a surprise to me, George, probably not to you as well. But it may be a surprise to people who don't know the area. Uh, because if you look at what's happening on the border, George, um, it, it is really the, the people who are paying the price, you know, the people who are really being hurt are these local communities on the border. Many of them are Democrats, run by Democrats. But, you know, you know the stories of the chief of police down there who's having to. Uh, there's one chief of police I read that has already spent his budget. Uh, simply chasing down these people who are crossing uh, crossing over. So I'm not surprised. I mean, it's uh, what surprises me is that somebody at Newsweek is surprised. That that would be my surprise. That <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently, you know, the the reporters. Had, I, I don't know if I were Newsweek, I would send more reporters down to talk to real people instead of interviewing Democrats and in, in the House of Representatives in Washington D.C. They should send people down here to talk to real people who are living with the consequences of this mess on the border, George. It, it really is kind of an embarrassment to a pub, national publication that uh, this should be a surprise. I mean, it, it, who are their reporters talking to is my question. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's, that's exactly my, uh, my, my reaction to it. I mean, you don't, I mean, heck, if you talk to people like uh, Cuellar down on the border, I mean, he's been very critical of, of the administration and, and wait until the situation really gets bad in Arizona, because that's the next one. Uh, Arizona is going to get hit with a real mess here because one of the consequences of governor Abbott's policies is that we have pretty much closed the border and they're going to Arizona now. And Arizona is about as, I mean, they're, they're not prepared for, for what's coming, George. The, uh, the, one of the things that has been happening lately with this shift of more uh, illegals crossing in Arizona and in California than in Texas mm-hmm. is um, that uh, some people are saying that um, the it is uh, partially a result of uh, the president of Mexico uh, trying to help the Texas border look safer. That uh, they're they're trying to help 
the Biden administration with the illusion that uh, that the, that the matter is 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 corrected and uh, along the border when in actuality all it's done it's shifted. Have you heard anything about that? Well, uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, I have not specifically heard that, but what I have heard is that. In Arizona, the the state legislature, which is, I believe, Republican majority, released the House, it has introduced a uh, something similar to the invasion bill that that we are highlighting here in Texas. And then when you when you think of areas of, of California, the problem in California is a, a slightly different one because we just learned in the last couple of days that the budget deficit that they thought they had is much worse than they thought they had. <laughs> uh, the budget deficit is $78 billion. Wow. So that's a lot of money. I mean, just to put that in perspective, the budget surplus that we had in Texas was $32 billion. That's a surplus. And they have a $78 billion deficit. So even if you account for the fact that they're bigger than we are, uh, still, I mean, that's a lot of money. So they're going to have to, I guess, either raise taxes and drive more people to move, or they're going to have to cut back on a lot of things. And how, you know, how can you justify the kinds of policies that they have for illegal immigration when they're running deficits like that? So I think the, the political situation in California is going to get really scary for uh, for the Democrats because they, they don't have the money to give away anymore, George. Yep, I agree. You know, we're seeing that in, in places like Denver where they're cutting services. In New York, they're cutting services so yes. that they can use the money to uh, so they can reprogram it to uh, help the, the illegal aliens that are in their community. So I guess that's that's going to be the trend that we're seeing. Yeah, well, you're right. You're, you're seeing it in, in lots of places where people are protesting. I mean, we've all seen these videos of black Democrats in Chicago screaming and Democrats in New York screaming. But, you know, th this is what happens. I, I, You know, the Democrats, they wanted sanctuary cities. I guess uh, they didn't think they would ever get them, maybe. I don't know. But they're, they're really, they're sort of, you know, they're kind of stuck in their situation because they publicly said, hey, send them here. We're a sanctuary city. So now that they have them, they don't know what to do with them. I really, I mean, it all goes back to this crazy policy of the Biden administration to bring in seven or eight million people uh, the way they did, uh, hoping that they pass uh, a, a meeting with a judge. So what are these people going to do while they're waiting for the judge? They cannot work. They cannot support themselves. So what are they going to do? Exactly. Well, that's what you're seeing in many of these cities. You got it. I, it, it's, it is absolutely crazy. Um, how this whole thing has played out. Sylvia, oh, we're going to let you go, but uh, tell the folks where they can follow you and where they can read you. Well, you can always follow me at The American Thinker. We we post uh, on the right-hand side of the, of the website. You can see my articles there. Or you can also uh, Google Canto Talk, C-A-N-T-O Talk, T-A-L-K. And that's where I, I have a blog, and, and that's where we do some of the podcasts as well. And uh, but you can always follow me at American Thinker. That's uh, that's a great website. If you're not following American Thinker, you should. <laughs> Very good. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with my good friend, Mr. Silvio Canto from Dallas. And uh, Silvio, stay uh, stay safe, and we'll be back uh, chatting with you some more. Thank you so much. Thank you, George. It's always great to be with you. Thank you. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Miss Irene uh, Armendariz Jackson from El Paso. And Irene is uh, a, uh, she is with the Border uh, Security Coalition in El Paso, as well as she is a Republican uh uh, a Republican candidate for Congress out in that area. And uh, I wanted to get her on because, first of all, Irene, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time to be with us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. First of all, uh, give us an update of what is happening in El Paso because we care that um, the uh, amount, the number of people crossing the border uh, in, uh, in Eagle Pass and Del Rio uh, has slowed down tremendously. What's it like in in, um, uh, in El Paso? Well, appearance, appearances are very um, 
they're not true. They're not true. I, the word is escaping me. I wanted to use, but the reality is that, of course, with um, the Biden administration constantly instructing these illegals on um, how to cross without it looking bad on them, you know, they're going through the port of entry. So that's how you seek asylum. I'm not against that. The problem is that most of these people don't qualify for asylum, so they're still backing up the system. And not only that, if you live on the border, um, you know that we have a binational relationship with over 80% of the population being Hispanic. The majority of us have family, have activities in Mexico and in Juarez and then other the people from Juarez vice versa, they have family, they come to quinceañeras, they come to weddings, etc, cetera, etc cetera. and so what's happening is because these illegals are using the ports of entry, now they're clogging it for those that have actually paid their dues and followed the legal system to be able to have a visitor's visa. So now they, they're they limiting them. Again, the hypocrisy of this whole issue is that even from the beginning during the COVID um, situation, the pandemic, they're the people that uh, actually had those legal visas, visitor visas, were not allowed to come in at all when hundreds of thousands of people were coming in and then when they did allow them they had to show proof of the vaccination and again a couple of feet away were the people that were crossing under the bridge um and so and without a vaccination at the beginning they started COVID testing them but that was unsustainable they also started doing some rapid dna especially on children but uh refuted to leave veronica escobar who's the lady that i'm running against and who's like beto o'rourke on steroids their best friends and uh joaquin castro out of san antonio at that time sent a letter demanding from the acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, to suspend this DNA, even though, even though it had already revealed that over 30% of the children that were tested were not with their family. Furthermore, they had already tried to come in with another set of families. So what more proof do we need to know that children are being vac- um, victimized and, um, they're being recycled over and over again. And Matt, these children, they probably don't even have any emotions because they're handed from one person to another and for the adult's benefit. And so what we've seen here, you may not see them on the in the church that everybody sees them, but on our corners. I, I don't live in a rich neighborhood by any means. I live in a middle class neighborhood. And it's an established neighborhood. On our corners, our main corners, there's from two people all the way to six people panhandling. So that's what's happened here uh, in El Paso. We see them all over the city. Um, I went to Sprouts. There was uh, two moms, and each one had a stroller and two other kids running around, and they were begging for for money. And they want money. They don't want you to take them food. They want money. And, and what's ironic is they all have these signs and they're all in English and you're going, there's no way. There's just no way you wrote that sign. And so there's a lot of evidence that these people are being used and manipulated for political gain from the Democrats. Wow. That is that is really, really incredible. Now, uh, there has been a, uh, a very, very revealing news report in Newsweek this past week that uh, has kind of shocked a lot of the liberals because the survey that the new, that, that uh, Newsweek did says that Hispanic Texans, this is Hispanic Texans, that 60%, over 60%, want a border wall. Now, that comes as a big shock to them, I'm sure. I don't know who they've been talking to, but... Um, you know who the reporters of Newsweek have been talking to, but that, that certainly comes as a big shock to them. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, how should Democrats react to that survey as well as Republicans? Well, you know, I always say that my biggest complaint is with the Republicans because I think we have the 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 election on a on a silver platter per se, and yet the Republicans that are already in Congress 
or elected officials refuse, refuse to use this um, to win elections. And let me just say that I am a big outspoken person about not wasting our time on um parades and uh, these uh, convoys if you're not concentrating on winning elections if you're not donating if you're not block walking if you're not making phone calls then we you're wasting your time you're wasting your time because all this stuff does not win elections and that needs to be the priority in order to take our border back we need to win elections or we'll be stuck with this nonsense for at least another four years. And so everybody that's listening, you need to either go on my website, IreneForCongress.com, and make sure even if you don't live in El Paso that you donate because the number one issue is that the top people in the Republican Party uh, ignore a lot of the races that should be crucial because um, they say that it's they're not flippable. But this survey that you're talking about is evidence that from the beginning we should have been screaming from the mountaintops no illegals no illegals so now what i'm screaming from the mountaintop is not only no illegals is deport we need mass deportations and the the democrats are really good about pulling the heartstrings and manipulating people <laughs> with their heartstrings and then you have the republicans that are afraid to recognize that unless you pull those heartstrings and you make people angry they're not going to change anything you know i hear it over and over and i'm you and i were in a meeting in austin and what did they keep saying oh we need to educate hispanics (laughs) i'm sorry I'm sorry, my mom is a Mexican-born, naturalized citizen with a master's degree from UT Austin. What are you going to educate her on? <laughs> the, the problem is that we don't have uh, a recognition from the Republican Party, the, the elites controlling the Republican Party and those that are already in Congress, and saying, you know what, we need a mass PR campaign. If you have a mass PR campaign with a very specific message, you and I know what that message is. We've been telling them what the message is. Then people like those 60% um, are going to not go vote blindly. So it's good to know the survey, but then you need to have a call to action. And look, there's there's some people, and everybody's going to know who I'm talking about, and I'm not even going to say names, but there's a lot of people in our side, on the on the conservative side, that have all these podcasts, they have all these events um, all over the country, they spend millions of dollars, and there's no call to action, especially for the youth. I know there's here a couple of groups of the same organization, and when I tell them, are you ready to act? Oh no, we're going to go to D.C. to this conference. What? for what for millions of dollars going down the drain they're going to tell us what we already know at these conferences if you're not impacting the votes then any effort is useless so you ask me what should the democrats do recognize that they're uh, that they're wrong um i would hope that somebody advise or whoever really is running the country would actually pay attention and say, you know what, Americans, especially the Hispanics, don't want illegals. My parents, I have a picture of my with my parents, and they're holding up a sign that says, legal immigrants against illegal immigration. And that has been from the beginning that I've been telling everybody that'll listen. They don't want it. Why? Because they paid their dues. They followed the process. And now these people are not only not following the process they're jumping to the front of the line my dad was a construction worker that's how he put food on our table and when the democrats want to give all these illegals all of them uh work permits work visas you know whose jobs they're going to take they're going to take all the people that work at construction sites that work anywhere where you don't need to have an education because over 65 percent of these people have no education so if you're a blue collar worker and you're a laborer you better vote republican 
because these Democrats want to take your jobs. And yeah. here in El Paso, we have the top Republicans donating to Veronica Escobar because they benefit from cheap labor. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. That is just, yes. that's nauseating. It really follow is. Follow the money, right? Just follow yeah, the money. That's it. That's it. Irene, thank you as usual. You are so good. Thank you. I love having Great you on time. my show. Thank you very much. Folks, we've been talking with my good friend, uh, our, uh, Irene Armendariz Jackson out of El Paso. Uh, she is with the Border Security Coalition. She's also a candidate against Veronica Escobar, the most liberal. In fact, I think she is the most liberal Democrat uh, in Texas. Well, that's right what now. Steve Bannon said. That's yeah. what she, she's, they, he said, man, she is the worst. <laughs> she is. She's, uh, she, she's, uh, she's a Hispanic version of, uh, of Sheila Jackson Lee at this point, I think. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for taking time with us. We'll get you back on Anytime, soon. George. And uh, we'll chat some more. Gracias. Uh, God bless you all. Thank you very much. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you again for joining us, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. I want to thank you for joining our program, for listening to our program today. I want to especially thank our guests, Mr. Randy Clark from Breitbart, Mr. Uh, Arturo Fontes, retired FBI agent, um, my good friend Silvio Canto, national blogger from Dallas, and my very good friend, Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson, uh, Border Security Coalition in El Paso, and and she is also a candidate, uh, going to be running against uh, Veronica Escobar, the, the uh, Democrat congresswoman in, uh, in El Paso. So, my friends, thank you very, very much for joining us. I want to thank our guests. I want to specifically thank our um, sponsor, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, they uh, are the ones that pay our bills, and I really, really appreciate them. Um, please, if you want to know anything about FAIR, go to FAIRUS.org, FAIRUS.org, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Support them. If you support them, of course, you're going to be supporting us. So uh, please, please, please um, uh, support FAIR. You will want to know what is going on regarding the uh, border, regarding legal immigration, regarding illegal immigration, FAIR is the number one place to find out. They are the number one organization in the nation that speaks out on behalf of legal immigration, on behalf of border security, and the border crisis that we have been visited on uh, in this administration. So, friends, once again, thank you. Join us again next week, same time, same place. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Till next time, my friends. The Federation for American Immigration Reform, known as FAIR, fights to restore common-sense border controls and immigration policies that work for America and its future. America's immigration system and border controls have been decimated by Washington politicians and special interests, undermining the interests and security of the American people. FAIR mobilizes grassroots activists to make sure the voices of the American people are heard in Washington. Find out more about FAIR and what we do by going to FAIRUS.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it and i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com